If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. We want to continue our study, the face of our Lord. This is a study for you who are visiting that we've been doing for quite uh, some time. This is number five. And uh, we're getting insight in the scripture as you take the biblical references to the face of the Lord. We, it gives us opportunity to study some facet of the Lord's uh, person, uh, his uh, character that brings you and I to an understanding of biblical revelation. Uh, we, uh, very interesting in the, the dynamics of human personality, what shapes our thoughts, what shapes our actions. Uh, the human personality, as uh, someone said, is uh, mimicking. In other words, uh, most behavior is learned behavior, uh, either good or bad. And uh, in our study of the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going through a number of uh, different facets that bring us some understanding. We don't want to uh, deal with Matthew 26:39. I want somebody to get that for me over here, if they will. Louis, if you'll get that, I want Psalms uh, 46 through 8 is uh, Michael Ramirez. Hebrews 10, 7 through 9 is uh, Henry, and John 6, 38 to 40. Somebody in here get that for me, Dennis. So we want to uh, deal with another facet, quite an interesting uh, study this morning. We uh, Hebrews 12 talks about looking unto Jesus. It has uh, to do with our, uh, our journey uh, as, a, as a believer, and uh, it essentially leaves us the image of a race or a marathon and looking towards the goal uh, that is there. But uh, the uh, uh, interesting thing about uh, the face of the Lord Jesus and his actions that we're taking is it gives us some uh, profound insight into uh, some of the facets we don't normally delve into and we can lock our minds into it. And we want to take this this morning on the dutiful face the dutiful, D-U-T-I-F-U-L. Uh, it's not uh, as, uh, uh, difficult to be religious. Most of the world is religious, whether you go into a pagan society or uh, regardless of where you go. Most people are religious. I'm just working through a, a little book that Roy Martin gave me. It's uh, written in the in 1800s. And uh, about halfway through it, it's, a, it's an apologetic, you would call it, for a belief in God. And he notes uh, very uh, uh, distinctly how in uh, almost all uh, records of uh, history and societies, they have some knowledge or some kind of practice uh, of a higher being or of a deity. And so uh, mankind is incurably religious. Someone has said that. Uh, one, uh, I think it was Augustine, that said uh, the man has a God-shaped vacuum. And uh, uh, so it's not difficult to be religious. Mankind is incurably religious. But Christianity is more than simply being religious. It's a concept uh, of the rule of God on earth. Now think about that with me for a moment as we begin to... Uh, uh, work towards this. It is the rule of God on earth, uh, but he does that through mankind. And uh, here in this image that we're going to give the Lord Jesus, he's in the garden. 
this is a uh, uh, in Gethsemane's most difficult uh, period, uh, moving on to Calvary. And uh, one author has written that he's kissing the dust in the glory of a great submission. And so duty is the issue. Matthew 26, 39, we want to use this text if you'll give it to us, Louis. And he went a little further and fell on his face and he prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, it is possible that this cup pass from me. Okay, here's the dutiful face. Uh, he's uh, fell on his face. He's praying. And this is a very difficult time. Uh, we're going to read it, uh, great drops uh, as of blood poured from his brow. Uh, and he prays, uh, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So we want to focus for a moment because duty uh, for the Christian has to do with the will of God. I want Psalms 40, verses 6 or 8. Right from the very beginning, you'll find this is the agenda of the Lord. As a matter of fact, prophecy uh, distinctly says this is the agenda of our Lord Jesus Christ. Proph- uh, 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 Psalms 40, verses 6 through 8. Sacrifice and offering thou did not desire. Mine ears has thou opened. Burnt offering and sin offering hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is in my heart. Okay, here's the prophet. Uh, this uh, prophet speaks of, uh, this is a messianic psalm. He's looking forward to our Lord Jesus Christ. This is repeated in Hebrews 10, 7 through 9. And I said, Behold, I have come. The volume of the book it is written of me in your will of God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, I did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are uh, offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will of God. He takes away the first, that he may establish the second. Okay, we want to, we want to lock our minds into the thought of duty. John 6, finally, verses 38 through 40. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Okay, this in a, in a nutshell is what Christianity is all about. Christianity is God's will being established in human beings on earth. For the will of God is done, there's the kingdom. In other words, God rules, and this is what the kingdom of God is all about. This is what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not about ritual. Christianity is not about great programs. Christianity is not about uh, stained glass windows great cathedrals, buildings, movements. Christianity is simply in a human being, God's will being done. This has to do with duty, and this is a constant refrain of the Bible. I want John 4, verse 34 in this section right here. Uh, Brian will do that. John 5, verse 30. Uh, It's David. And then I want John 8, 28 and 29. Another hand here that you put it back down. Hannah, 
John 8, 28 and 29. John 8, 30 through 32. Somebody on this side, help me. Uh, uh, Ryan and uh, Brandon, Luke 22, 41 and 42. This is a constant refrain of Scripture. Uh, it is very simple, and yet, uh, as we're beginning to see, it's very profound. It's easy to say. It's very difficult to do. John 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to finish his work. My food is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. The disciples have come to the Lord Jesus. He's uh, encountering a woman at the well of uh, Samaria, Jacob's well. Goes through this scenario. She's a lost woman. She's been abused. She's had five husbands. She's living with a sixth man. And uh, the disciples come. They say, you know, you, you haven't eaten. Uh, and he says, my uh, food, what nourishes me is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. His work is obviously having to do with precious souls that are going to be brought under submission to the will of God and serve God. John 5, verse 30. Whose tender little voice was that back there? I couldn't hear a bit. Is that David? Okay. So, so what we have is not religious cliches. We're dealing with obedience to the will of God as duty. Now, uh, somebody tell me how that, uh, how that uh, veers from what's practiced in much of uh, Christianity today. How does that uh, depart? Kyle? Well, a lot of Christianity today is about the way of God. It's about what I want and my own selfish purposes. What do you want? Well, not me. Oh, okay. Well, right, I thought you were bringing a personal application here. Okay, I have a lot of fun with Kyle. He's my friend. So... Uh, uh, he says it's, uh, it's not what I want, but what God wants. So that has to do with duty, doesn't it? Somebody else, how does that veer from much of what's practiced uh, and we observe and we wrestle with in our own personality? Phil Bayer. I can't hear it. In evangelism. Well, explain that. Why don't people do that? They're afraid they'll scare people off. Okay, uh, Hannah? Uh, they'd rather have control of their own life. They don't want to be God's They want to have control of their own life. They don't want to put their future or their own will in God's hands. Bear? The church takes uh, ideas from business practices, from entertainment, from tradition. The church takes business practices from entertainment, from business, and from what? Uh, tradition, and then slaps that on uh, the will of God and says, God wants this, what He wants me to do. Why would they do that, Bear? Well, first off, it's in, in, in 
glorifies the self in the, in the church and the denomination, whatever it is. Glorifies the self, church, and the denomination. It's, and it's easy and pleasing. It's easy and pleasing. Why is it easy and pleasing? Gratifies the, you know, the self. Gratifies the self. All right. Why does it gratify the self? Don't you love this class? Can you raise your hand? You're on a dangerous territory. It, it's what? It's what we want. Isn't that right? So you're talking about consumer uh, mentality and to uh, have a uh, have a consumer. Uh, practice and mentality you have to give people what they want, right? And what they want is it, it's self-pleasing, and so that's I just had to bring that out for you. Is there? You're right, but that's uh, that's what's involved. Carol. Uh, most of the modern Christianity is, is accept Jesus and He will bless you. Can God give me, not what is my duty? Okay, pretty good. So, uh, John 8, 28 and 29. And Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me, I speak these things. This is Jesus. He's saying, When you lift me up, you're going to know that I don't do these things of myself, but I'm doing what God has taught or what the will of God is. And then John 8, 30 through 32. Who, gave, who did I give that to? Jesus said, if you obey my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Luke 22, 41 and 42. And he was withdrawn from him about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Father, if it's your will, take this cup from me. In other words, this is agony. This is the garden. This is the sin of the world that's coming upon our Lord Jesus Christ as he bowed in Gethsemane. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he was seeking, if possible. He's not going to go through this. But it's a, as he bowed his face to the ground, uh, he did this. Now, this is the, the me generation. This is the me generation. And the me generation wants to do what makes us happy or makes us feel good. Vast amounts of Christianity is presented as making people feel good under the guise of worship. Worship ought not to make you feel good. Sometimes it ought to make you feel really, really bad. Two or three of you nod your head. You got it. The rest of you have a slightest clue what I'm talking about. The aim of God is not to make us feel good. It's to make us holy. To do that is going to have to give some insight and revelation, and that's going to be a submission to do the will of God. Okay, so uh, there's a crisis here, 
And this crisis is when self conflicts with duty. I want Mark 3, verse 35, over in this section here. As mics or mirrors, Paul, get for me uh, Matthew 6, verse 10. I want uh, Luke 12, 46 and 47, Jeff. I want Matthew 26, 39 again. And verse 42, it's Woody, 39 and verse 42. I want Luke 22, 44. Uh, which is uh, Joel. So we have no problem with this. In other words, uh, uh, a person who genuinely has been attracted to the Lord and at least has submitted uh, initially to become a Christian and follow the Lord, uh, there's not really a great deal of problem with, with, with that yet. Now the difficulty becomes uh, when uh, duty conflicts with our self-will. That's where the, the rubber meets the road, so to speak. Mark 3, verse 35. For whosoever shall do the will of God, the same as my brother, sister, and mother. Okay, here's the Lord Jesus. They've come to him. He's uh, said, your brother and sisters are outside. And uh, he says, whoever does the will of God, these are the ones uh, that are related to me in genuine relationship that God Desires. Matthew 6, verse 10. Your kingdom comes, and that will be done on earth and in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the essence of Christianity. This is what God's aiming for. Uh, uh, let's divert just for a moment. What, what, what has disturbed the will of God uh, historically? Let me jog your memories back. Lock it down. Why is his will not being done? Kyle? Because of the disobedience of man. Because of the disobedience of man. Okay, that's true. Uh, trace it back. Uh, Brian? I was just going to say, uh, Paul said not to be conformed to this world. It's easy for us to conform ourselves to the world. It's easy for us to conform ourselves to the world. It's easy just copy what the world is doing instead of Okay. Is anybody still here that remembers my old potato sermon? I've become obsolete? Okay. Uh, how many of you uh, know what shape a potato has? Nobody does because they have what other shape the ground they grew in. They have knobs, they have lumps, they have all of that because a potato conforms to the soil it grows in. Well, that was my sermon. Is there uh, potatoes, imitators, uh, all kinds of taters? There's a tater sermon. So if you didn't remember it, well, it must not have been a very good one. Or else we've had a turnover from, from then. But conform is what a potato does. It conforms to its environment. But God has called us not to conform to the environment, but to transform our environment. Isn't this correct? A uh, man called me last week on the phone, and he uh, used to be in one of our churches many years ago. Uh, he's wandered all over. He's uh, listened to tapes. He's a mess. And so uh, he's, uh, he's talking about uh, uh, separation from the world and so on and so forth. I gave him this little illustration. Jesus said, uh, uh, you're to be in the world but not of the world. Now, how are you going to do that? The only way you're going to do that is that you have to obey the will of God. Is this correct? Years ago, I, my wife and I pastored in Courtney, British Columbia, uh, Canada. Uh, this was the uh, headwaters of the Puntledge River. 
In that river was the spawning uh, uh, river of the Tai salmon, largest salmon in the world. They weigh some 70 pounds uh, if they uh, go out. So this salmon spawns there in fresh water, beautiful river that pours off a glacier, fresh water, cool and crystal clear, goes into the sea uh, at Courtney, that's the, the headwaters of the mouth of it, goes into the sea after they've spawned, and for four years they spend in the ocean. Now, uh, if you've ever tasted the ocean, it doesn't taste good. I remember years ago, uh, Debbie was swimming. I think that was the first uh, experience she had of the ocean when we passed her there. And she dived into the water, and she came up going, <coughs> this stuff tastes awful. You know? It was the seawater. Here's a, here's, a, here's a fish, been four years from freshwater, seawater, but you catch that salmon, and the, the flesh is delicious. It's wonderful. It has never taken on the taste of that horrible tasting water that is the environment but it survived. Such is the destiny of a believer. God has equipped us that we can be in the world but not of the world. So when it, uh, it uh, uh, gives us that direction, it gives us understanding. This is our calling and this is our task. I want Luke 12, uh, verse uh, 46 and 47. Master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking, and at an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. Here's a parable that Jesus tells. He's want to, he wants to impart to them the understanding that they have a responsibility to God. That responsibility is as a man who went on a long journey. Uh, he gave responsibility to his servants, uh, and uh, then he came again. And uh, when he came again, there was an accountability. And uh, those who didn't fulfill the will of their master, then they had punishment uh, distributed. Jesus told that parable to impress upon those followers that the issue is not just simply being religious. It's doing the will of God. Matthew 26, verse 39 and verse 42. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he went away again a second time and prayed, O oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink of it, it will be done. Your will be done. So we don't have any problem uh, with uh, following the Lord unless it conflicts with our will. That's the problem. Can you say amen? Uh, many, many people uh, would have no problem whatever. They recognize Christ as Lord. They recognize their desperate need of forgiveness of sin. They need guidance. They need salvation. need all that. But where the rubber meets the road is when... The will of God conflicts with our own ideas, our own agenda, our own flesh, and then the struggle begins. Luke 22, verse 42. And being in agony, he prayed more, then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down. Here we find this uh, uh, drama continuing in the agony of uh, the sins of the world coming upon our Lord Jesus and the agony of submitting to that. He's praying, and there's such, a, uh, such agony that great drops of blood, as it were, 
uh, fell. So it's not difficult to be a believer when all's going well. Isn't this correct? No problems come. Uh, God's will becomes difficult when the will of God conflicts with our own will. This has to do with time, has to do with relationship, has to do with money, has to do with calling, has to do with uh, a number of things. Not difficult to be a believer as long as the will of God agrees with our will. This is what the cross is all about. So there's many passages uh, that we want to uh, touch on. Let's, uh, let's just open that for a moment and see if we got some good input here. Uh, that some, uh, uh, some, uh, maybe some personal illustrations that you could give us this morning. Personal illustrations. Everybody here has no problem with the will of God. Oh, this is a great congregation. No sense of even, no sense of even continuing. We can go home then, can't we? Uh, Woody. Woody's a pilot for United Airlines and things were going wonderful as long as United Airlines is making a lot of money and uh, great profits, but they haven't made a lot of money for a lot of years. Matter of fact, they're, uh, they're having a struggle to s- stay alive. They're in bankruptcy, which means that uh, things have to be cut, and uh, one of those cuts is hours of the pilots and uh, all these things. And so just recently, they removed uh, the retirement uh, you know, here's Woody. How old are you, Woody? 42. He's looking to a comfortable retirement at 60 uh, and uh, riding that. And all of a sudden, uh, United has uh, said, uh, sorry, we're putting all this over on the government. And he may or may not ever have any retirement. And so uh, this has real uh, personal applications. He said, I finally came to the conclusion. I've got a wonderful wife, got wonderful kids. Uh, He's saved. He's serving God. And so uh, United might make it or may not make it. But Woody's going to survive as a believer. Now, what you said? Okay. 
<laughs> Amen. Now, that's somebody else. You see, we have no problem with this business. This, you see, this is, this, this is the issue. Uh, so uh, uh, one of the first things you come to, to uh, a conflict with as a believer is uh, the tenth is the Lord's. The tenth? Yeah, tenth. Tenth is the Lord. Oh, okay. So uh, you work. God prospers you. He gets you a good job. You quit smoking pot. You're not spending, wasting your money on cigarettes any longer. Everything's going great. And it's, uh, it's wonderful. Get pay raises. Now you're a good worker. You're productive. You can think straight. You're a valuable employee. And things are going great. Uh, and say, yeah, okay, now I'm going to pray. Hey, I can give pledges now. Uh, so you start giving pledges, and you make a, your major pledge. This is going to be it. Uh, conference comes, and the next week you come in, and they fire you. Hey, you know, what is this? Is that false doctrine? <laughs> it happens, you know. You're fired. Hey, hey, God, you know, what's the deal here? You know, see here, tenth. I've been given the tenth. Besides, I've been given offering, Lord. What's the deal here? Well, uh, just being a tither doesn't mean that you escape some of the, the vicissitudes or the changing uh, difficulties and tides of life. Isn't that correct? So you're a believer. You believe God. Uh, I'm, I'm saved, I'm born again, and uh, all of a sudden you turn up with sickness in your body of some kind. Hey, what's the deal? What is the deal? Well, anything in life you have to wrestle through. It has difficulties, it has conflict. Any promise that God gives to you, the devil is going to contest. Whether that's your salvation, whether that's your job, whether that's your family, whether that's your church, whether that is uh, uh, your uh, health, it does not matter. The devil's business is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And the Christian life is not this wonderful, joyous canoe ride down a beautiful river. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. That's not Christianity. That's false prosperity doctrine. That's, uh, that's uh, preached out over television for Christianity. That is not, not Christianity. Gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. Well, you, you're reading the wrong Bible. That's not in the Bible. Uh, Mr. Brooks. Um, we were following up on a, a young man that was coming for about six months and doing really well at the road when I started getting the Brookses were following up on a young man who was really saved for about six months, and uh, he was really saved. But the road started getting narrower. Parents wanted, didn't want him to come to this church. Parents did not want him to come to church. And so he uh, went somewhere with some other Christians, and they were telling him that uh, the body of Christ is all that can be in the body of Christ. He took a tour with a Christian group. <laughs> and so uh, he said he would go to all churches because we're all Christians. All churches are the same. And so uh, I was talking to him, and he said, All he said, Who's my brother, my sister, do the will of God? And so I said, What's the will of God? And it was like a shock right there. I said, The will of God is to be in a body of congregation where you can be accountable. You use that same scripture. Right. Self will uh, is a marvelous interpreter of scripture. Right? <laughs> So the, the, the difficulty is that when we want to do something, we become theologians. 
and we uh, have the ability to reach into and justify our position. Years ago in Reader's Digest, I read a marvelous article. It was a pun on religious people. And uh, this guy was a bootlegger. He made uh, corn whiskey and uh, sold it illegally. And he was challenged on it. And he said, the Bible says that uh, cursed be he that does not sell his corn to his brother. So you can anything you want, you can find in the Bible. If... You have your self-will. Okay, very good. We're going to open this up in a minute. We want to get through this. So uh, there, there are many passages that illustrate this. I want Matthew 20, verses 22 and 23 is Brandon. I want Matthew 7, 21 through 23 is Chris. I want Matthew 21, uh, 28 to 31 is Matthew. Is it uh, Will? Matthew 12, verse 50, Will. I want John 7, 17. Somebody in this section is Brian. John 21, 18 is Noel. 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2 uh, is Brandon. And 1 John 2, 17 is Brian. All right. So our issue is, here's the crisis. Jesus is in the garden. He's taking the sins of the world upon him. He's, uh, he bows with his face to the ground and he's praying Here's the imagery. It's an agony. There's great drops as of blood begin to pour from his brow. He's agonizing uh, with the Father, not my will, but your will be done. And there's where the conflict comes is when God's will and our will come into conflict. Matthew 20, 22 and 23. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I baptize with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Okay, here's the Lord Jesus. Two of the disciples came. They're ambitious disciples. They are uh, achievers. And so uh, they say, Lord, grant to us that uh, uh, I become the door director and he's going to be my assistant. (laughs) And so uh, Jesus says to them, this is not mine to give, but it's the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Are you able to drink of the cup that I drink? Yes. We're able. He said, you will indeed drink of the cup. But to give that position is not mine to give. It's of my Father, which is in heaven. Both of these men who are asking that uh, were martyred for the testimony of Jesus Christ. They did indeed drink that cup. And when the issue came, will I do the will of God or will I not? They obeyed because duty called them to a higher purpose. And they responded to that duty. We have the scripture uh, in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? 
Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not done many wonders in your name? Cast out demons in your name. Then he will say. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. This is a frightening statement. It is a somber statement. Okay. Then we have uh, Matthew 21, 28 through 31. comes two uh, sons. Jesus tells this parable to drive home the point. It's the will of God is the issue, not religion. These two sons, he said, go work in my vineyard. The first one said, I'll not do it. I've got other things I'm going to do. He disobeyed, went on his way. The other one said, okay, I'll do you well. But he didn't do it. But afterward, the other one repented and said, okay, I'm going to do your will. Which of them did the will of God? Obviously, the one who repented and said, I will obey my father. And he said, this is why the publicans and the harlots are going to go into the kingdom of God before you, because you do not do the will of God. Matthew 12, verse 50. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven, the same is uh, my relative Matthew or John rather 7 verse 17 If anyone wills to do his will he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority If anyone wills to do his will it becomes immediately a wonderful interpreter of doctrine a great problem in the world today is people who don't obey God but want to be religious it's a very dangerous it unhinges the mind Mental institutions are filled with people uh, who uh, quote scripture. They spout out all kinds of doctrines. Uh, and this is why that you're wasting your time with most of the cults arguing with them about doctrine because they're not doing the will of God, nor will they do the will of God. Uh, John 21, verse 18. This is Jesus' words to Peter at the Sea of Galilee. He just restored him, recommissioned him, and says, This is what it involves for you to obey me and the call of ministry. When you were young, you did what you want to do. You're self-willed, Peter. You are impetuous. He's always spouting off his mouth. He's in the forefront of all this. He's very ambitious. And he said, When you were young, you did what you wanted to do. When you get old... They're going to take you, and you're going to be uh, uh, sub, uh, uh, brought under submission to things you don't want to be involved in. Others are going to take you. In fact, Peter was crucified uh, uh, upside down in Rome for his testimony for our Lord Jesus Christ. Then First uh, Peter 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same mind. For you have suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That, that, he, that he no longer should live, live, live the rest of his lifetime 
fleshly for the lust of men, but for the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in, in goodness, lust, drunkenness, revilings, drinking parties, and abdominal, abominable. <laughs> it might have involved the abdominal. Okay. So uh, here... <laughs> Here is uh, Peter is writing and says, uh, this is, uh, you live like that, but he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It's a profound statement, the crossing of the will of man with the will of God. First John 2, verse 17. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he has the will of God abides forever. The world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides uh, forever. So this is our call uh, this morning is duty. See, what duty involves uh, is conduct due, Webster says, to parents uh, and superiors, uh, and it has to do with with biblical Christianity. It's the will of God. I want uh, a couple more scriptures. I want Romans 12, 1 and 2 over on my far right. Somebody help me. 12, 1 and 2. Okay. Uh, how about Isaac? I want 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1. Somebody in this section here is Dennis. I want 1 Peter 4, 19 is Jeff. So I want those three scriptures. This is ground zero. And Romans 12, <coughs> 1 and 2 speaks of this word conformity. Read that out loud for me, please. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Okay, this is the call of every believer is to demonstrate in their life uh, they're living the will of God. He, he says, uh, he draws an altar, if you will. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your lives, a living sacrifice unto God. The problem with living sacrifices is they have a tendency when the heat's turned up to get off the altar. But he says that in your lives to demonstrate the kingdom of God that you're living the will of God. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 1. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. Paul called to be an apostle by the will of God in 1 Peter 4.19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. Okay, let's cut to the chase this morning. We've got a few minutes. Tell me how now this works out practically in your life. Somebody uh, give me some input. How does this work out practically in your life? Uh, Eleanor? Evangelize, tell people about Jesus. She's downtown and uh, God spoke to her. She's very busy, she's in a hurry, but God said, I want you to witness that person. I'm in a hurry, I don't have time to do that. But you did that. You wind up 
praying with them? You witness to them. Okay, very good. Uh, so uh, in all the areas of life, think through now. How's this going to work out? We're having a great marriage today. How about marriage? Does duty have anything to do with marriage? Well, I'm not happy. What's that got to do with anything? He doesn't meet my needs. Well, what on earth are those? I can feel it getting really nervous in here. Do you, John, take this woman to your wedded wife to have and to hold, to love, honor? I do. Do you marry? Oh, this is DeAngelis. Now, I'm not talking about you. Take this man to love, honor. I do until you leave church. And then there's a conflict. Right? Well, I'm unhappy. So is most of the world unhappy. What, what is this happy thing, anyway? Is it uh, happy, 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 happy? You know, when I people, meet people, I'm just so happy. I've met a nut. You know, I say, I'm going to get away from that person. It isn't dangerous. <laughs> It doesn't mean that we don't have joy, that we don't have blessing. We don't have, but, uh, you know, this is min- misinterpreted. Life is not lived by our rules. How many of you know that? Okay. Anybody have any comment about there? Uh, Chris? Well, what you were saying about marriage is that uh, whenever I got married, me and Jennifer, um, you know, we thought it was going to be all happy and Chris married Jennifer. He thought it was everything's going to be great. They're going to be uh, just a wonderful scene. Okay, no fights. But uh, that quickly did not happen. That quickly did not happen. <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, you know, before I got saved, I didn't think I'd get married until I was like 30. And, uh, before you got saved, you said you weren't going to get married until you got about 30? Oh, okay. By that time, you're over the hills too late. You know, you're... Come from a divorced home, second marriage. Neither one of those, he's got a great example he's working from. And so, you know, I'll, I'll to be honest, is that there were quite a few times, especially early on, when it was really bad. He's being honest. He said early on it was really, really bad. <laughs> if I wasn't saved, I knew that I had a duty and a, and a commitment that I support before God and people in this congregation. I probably Vow before God and before the congregation a duty to marry. Go ahead. And if, if it wasn't like that, I probably would have walked out long ago. Probably would have walked out. Where's Jennifer this morning? Anyway. Okay. She's in the back room. All right. Very good. Now, this is, this, is, this is where the rubber meets the road, isn't it? And so uh, I want to tell you, the first 15 years are the hardest. After you get through that, it's all gravy, you know, Okay. Somebody else. Where does this, how does this apply? Okay, so let's move into uh, uh, duty in the church. Uh-oh. Where's John DeAndres? He usually supplies. Uh-oh for me somewhere. <laughs> Carol? Well, this is very minor, but I work with kids. I've been working preschool for 28 years. So to come into the church and want to deal with kids is not my cup of tea. Once I leave preschool, 
my basic theory is I don't want any kid to even know I deal with them. <laughs> so to do nursery is not exactly what I want to do. That's a duty because it's neat. You do nursery duty? Why do you do that? It's a duty. It's one of the great callings of Christian ministry for women. It's a needed thing. It keeps these little rugrats from disturbing the surface so that people can get saved and be blessed. And God bless the women who do their duty. Great. Okay, some other, uh, some other uh, comment on church duty. Uh, Brian? Just in areas of giving. duty. Okay, that's uh, not a great thing, but it's uh, something. Okay, how about uh, how about in calling? Your calling. Uh, Brandon? No, I mean uh, uh, Brad. You're both young, you're vibrant, you both are handsome, so hard to tell you apart. Christian College to be a pastor. And um, I was down here visiting, and I really felt like God was calling me to move back down here to pastor for this church instead. Came down here visiting back home. And uh, and so when I felt that calling, I really didn't think. Uh, <laughs> I was like, well, that's that's fine, maybe for some other time later. But you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that right now. I've got other plans. I've got to finish my college and stuff like that. And. Uh, so I just, I just dealt with it a lot. I talked to a lot of people, and I prayed about it a lot. And uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a spontaneous person. I don't just make those big decisions like that. You know, just with no thinking or anything. And I, and I uh, didn't want to quit college either because you know I can't quit anything. So I, I uh, finally just decided that was the only way. I could, that was the only way I could really be God's will is if I, you know, did that. So I felt like that was the way He wanted me to do. And so I moved down here a month later, and. Uh, and I was just so glad I did because since then he's, he's blessed me so much. He's taught me so much. I mean, it's not like it's been easy or anything, but I've learned way more than I ever learned in college. And, uh, Are you the guy that told Greg that you learned more in that one lesson than you'd learned in all the time you were in Bible college? Yes. Ah, what a revelation. Okay, we're out of time. Uh, we're going to have a wonderful wedding in about five minutes. We start the service. The Lord bless you. We'll continue next week.